Welcome to episode 46 of Pod Your Own Adventure. Today's episode, The Dragon's Den by Richard Brightfield. Hello, hello, welcome back to Pod Your Own Adventure. My name's Tom. An interesting fact about me is that if you go back, listen to the intro of this podcast and play it backwards, you'll actually hear me telling you to worship Saturn. I'm not a, I'm not a Satanist, I just really like fabrics. I'm joined today by Baltimore comedian and, uh, well, you're co-producer of uh, the Adult Swim thing, Adult unedited footage of a bear aren't you so uh yeah i was one of the producers and i was one of, I, I was one of the main writers oh cool okay if you haven't seen unedited footage of a bear pause this I, i'll wait go and watch it then come back <laughs> with that in mind <laughs> uh yeah it's robbie ratcliffe hello hello uh, <laughs> how's it going going okay i've uh just got home uh from a i i have a uh part-time job that I'm doing right now while we're waiting for some more money to roll in for some other uh, TV projects. And uh, I deliver uh, luxury cakes um, as oh, a right. side job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty nice, actually. It is. Uh, if you ever, if you had ever seen the uh, American Food Network show, The Ace of Cakes, um, which is about delivering weird sculptural cakes, I work for that company. Oh right, that's pretty cool. I I haven't seen it myself, but I know the same like the kind of ballpark uh, yeah. show where just how tall can we make this cake? All right, let's yeah, see. exactly. Let's, let's, can we make a cake shaped like a gun? Okay, now can we make it functional? Let's find let's out. Find out. Uh, we we have definitely made many gun shaped cakes. Uh, we've also <laughs> my favorite cake that I delivered recently was a katamari damachi cake, which that's, I guess that's pretty good actually. Yeah, yeah it was yeah it's very good. Um, and I think that there was actually a before I worked for the company. I, I think that we had um, shot a series of episodes in in London. Uh, I could be wrong oh, cool. about that. The obvious question about the Katamari Damashi cake is: uh, if you delivered it to the destination when you're rolling it, did it get bigger when it got there as well? <laughs> uh, if I had rolled it, I would have gotten into a lot of trouble. <laughs> Yeah. Oh well. King's um, space would not be pleased. Yeah. Now, like that wasn't even the interesting fact you had planned, but that was actually a pretty good story. Do you oh, want to that's... say the other thing you wanted to say as well? Well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, uh, you know, the, the, my experience. I, I was teaching college right out of graduate school, and but the, the teaching market just got more and more crowded, and I kept getting crowded out of. Uh, gigs uh, teaching art and digital art and so I decided um, with the help of my father who was a formal former naval officer to uh, try enlisting in the US uh, Navy Mm -hmm. and I uh, went through the whole process of um, you know getting ready for uh, shipping out to boot camp I I took the test that like kind of determines what jobs you are qualified for that and the test qualified me for and a uh, job uh, in naval intelligence. And mm-hmm. so I, I went to boot camp, and about a month into it, I just had this, just everything went completely wrong in this uh, oh. amazing and dramatic thing. And it was supposed, it's, it's sort of funny because, you know, 
in just in many places, you know, joining the military is something that you do as a last ditch effort when you feel like you don't have a lot of options. And it was crazy to feel like I had decided on the final option yeah. somehow still been uh, kind of scammed out of it. Oh, that's unfortunate that you didn't get to, I suppose, live out your dream of going to boot camp, but but could have worked out worse, I suppose, in the long run. Well, yeah, I think so. It's funny. I mean, it was such an insane experience where, like, you know, it turned out that the paperwork that I had signed out had been based on false facts and uh, my... uh, the the agent that was investigating me because I needed a certain level of security clearance. Um, she was al- always surrounded by dogs whenever I would call her, to, <laughs> like because I had to relay like facts to her um, as I would get them from other people in my family or friends. Yeah, and then so every time you're talking to her, there's just a bunch of barking dogs. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, I worked at this health food store in Tallahassee, Florida, and then like she was just like, why do you say my dogs are barking? <laughs> um, and yeah, and then my foot broke, and then that sort of took me out of the training um, regimen altogether. Yeah, and, that'll, and, that'll do it. Yeah, and then that sort of led me to the sort of that that basically like started the slide out of of uh, U.S. boot camp or mm. Navy boot camp. Um, but it's Which, funny because most people don't slide out of boot camp. And I think about it, so. You, you, it's a very long process. Also, I should point out that during the process of uh, trying to figure out what my future, if any future in the Navy would be, uh, the government shut down and all of the civilians that were on base who basically decide on careers, the civilian uh, part of um, the Department of Defense kind mm-hmm. of tells the Navy what jobs it can hire for. So when the government shut down and all non-essential personnel were asked to go home for the three weeks that all that took, um, I basically just couldn't. I wasn't. I was in complete limbo. Right. Uh, in this very uh, intense situation where it's you know it's theater. It's it's a giant like improvisational theater camp boot camp. Because right. There you know there's everybody has to talk to you in a certain way. Everybody has to treat you in a certain way because you're a recruit. You have to wear a recruit ball cap. And that means that like you basically can't have an adult conversation uh, with anyone uh, who's your superior. And even the people that are on the same level as you are usually a lot younger because I ended, entered in you know my thirties. So mm. it was like being, um, it was like living with all of the students that I had been teaching <laughs> and finding out like what they did outside of class, yeah, and it was it was it was horrifying. They're That's... they're terrifying people. These young people. I don't trust them. No, absolutely not. <laughs> anyway, um, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, then hello. What we do is um, every week I get a different guest and a different multiple path game book. In this case, it's a choose and adventure story. I read through, and then uh, Robbie here will make decisions about where the story will take us as well. Hopefully, it won't take us to a grisly death, but you never know with these books. Um, this one, The Dragon's Den, is about being in a fantasy time, I'd assume. So, shall we just jump in with both feet? Sure. Cool. It is long ago. You are in the time of knights and castles and dragons. You are a wanderer, travelling from one small medieval kingdom to another. At this moment, you are in search of an adventure that will test all of your abilities, and perhaps lead you to your fortune. You're travelling through a small kingdom when you see scorched trees, burned fields, 
and deserted houses. The remaining local people are too terrified even to talk about what has happened, particularly with a stranger. But you know that there could only be one cause of this destruction. Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, the only obvious conclusion that we can draw from that. Dragons. You also know that dragons are notorious thieves who hold the treasure they steal. Here's your chance for some real excitement. Oh, this guy's stink. <laughs> Burning and stealing. And then just... I don't think I've ever in any work of fiction seen a dragon take a shower either, so... Yeah. Don't trust him. That evening, while dining at a small inn, you chance to overhear two people talking at a nearby table. Treasure is being discussed, and a map is being examined. You slip quietly from your seat and move into an empty chair at their table. Taken by surprise... <laughs> just introducing ourselves. Uh-huh. Smooth. Taken by surprise, they look at you suspiciously. Now, about this treasure, you say in a low voice. Surely you'll need an experienced hand to help you find it. The two conspirators stand up and are about to bolt for the door, but you hold your hand up and they sit down again. Now let's have a look at that map, you say with a grin. <laughs> this is bold of us. I mean, in most books they would have they would have said, like, will you eavesdrop on them or will you introduce yourself? Yeah, and I then... also think it's funny that they, uh, they whispered now about that treasure uh, after I sat down. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's have a look at that map, you say with a grin. Map? What map, one of them says. Boke, have you seen any maps? No, the other replies. He's a small, thin boy about your age. I don't know anything about... The one you have tucked into the top of your boot, you interrupt. Nice. Ah. I've got sharp eyes. (laughs) Are you a king's agent? Asks the heavier one, a look of fear on his face. On my honour as a free wanderer, I'm not, you say. Well, if you're not an agent, then you're going to get all three of us sent to the salt mines. The king's spies are all about. We'd better discuss this in my room. We can't all go upstairs at once. It would be too conspicuous. So we'll go one at a time. I'll go first. How can I trust that the two of you won't try to slip out the back of the inn? Or even try to do me in upstairs, you ask? Bless me, we wouldn't do that. You seem to be, if you're what you seem, the one person we're looking for, says Boke. So, we can either follow them up to their room and talk about dragons, or we can say we don't trust them and insist on meeting outside and then talk about dragons. <laughs> um, I, I'm i going to insist on meeting outside because I got bad knees. I don't like to go up steps. That's, that's fair enough. Also, we don't want them um, thinking they've got too much... Like, too much pull in this conversation. The ball is very much in our court at this point. Yeah, plus, who knows what's upstairs, you know? It's, I saw Lord of the Rings. They had those weird ghosts up there. Yeah. With the swords. Yeah, just don't go upstairs. It's full of horrible ghosts. Yeah. That's why I only, live in, that's why I only ever live in a bungalow. <laughs> um, oh, can we have the meeting in the bungalow? <laughs> yeah, we'll go next door for that. All right. I think it would be better if you met outside, you say. I have a certain distrust of upstairs rooms. <laughs> Wait, is that God. actually in it? That's actually in there. I didn't make that up. I've got some awesome psychic abilities. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Give me a cakewalk. <laughs> well, you know, all, you know all about cakewalks, of course. So. Oh. Uh, right back. Yeah. Very well, says Spoke. We can meet at the end of the lane in an hour. But watch out for the king's patrols, they can be nasty. Boke and his friend leave by the back door of the inn. When almost an hour has gone by, you casually pay for your meal and ease out the front door. I think we're just pranking these guys. Yeah. <laughs> this is rude. 
When almost an hour has gone by, you, you catch you pay for your meal. The lane is dark. Every so often a sliver of moon appears from behind a cloud and casts a pale light on the town, but your eyes are used to seeing in the dark. Far up the lane, you see Boke and his friends standing together by a post. You stride toward them in the darkness. You've almost reached them when you realise that there is something very wrong. Then you see that Boke and his friend are not just standing by the, by the post, they're tied to it. Dragon. Run for it! it was... <laughs> Dragons are very adept with ropes, yeah. apparently. The, the Drake Scouts. <laughs> Run for it, Boke shouts to you. It's a, it's a trap. You turn and dash down the lane. Your way is suddenly blocked by dim shadows. Even though you can't see them clearly, your experience tells you that they are the King's Guard, and you sense that their swords are drawn and pointed at you. You stand there for a moment, trying to decide what to do. Mm. One of the guards opens a lantern. Its beam falls on your face. That's the one, a woman's voice says. You remember that voice. It belongs to the serving girl who waited on you at the inn. She must have overheard you talking about the treasure map. Uh-oh. Ugh. Good work, Molly, says the guard holding the lantern. You hear the faint clink of coins being passed. On hearing that, you realise the guard must have put his sword back in his belt in order to give Molly the money, and he is the only one standing between you and a side street. Right, so we can either rush by the guard and escape down the side street, or we can decide that we are outnumbered and we should wait. Wait. I want to wait. Let's see, if, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, just play this one by ear, I yeah. think. <laughs> I mean, they've all got... There's several sharp, sharpened sticks. Swords. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to do anything too rash. No. There are just too many guards around. You'll have to try to escape later. The guards untie Boke and his friend, and then lead the three of you at sword point up to the castle. Take them to the dungeon, an officer of the guard orders. Alone, you're shoved inside a grim, barren stone cell... Its heavy iron door slams shut, and you can hear the guards marching away. Mm. Early the next morning, the guards come back for you. You're led up to the king's audience chamber. Boke and his friend are also there. This guy hasn't got a name yet. Yeah. I was expecting them to like give him a name when it was convenient, uh, instead of just being like, I'm Boke, and this is my friend's joke. <laughs> but no, it's just Boke and his friend, I guess. If, oh. if, that, um, if he doesn't if they never say any... Can we decide on a name for him? I don't see why not. Let's call him Bread. <laughs> Alright, sure. Boke and his friend Bread are also there. Tasty. <laughs> what is the charge against these three, demands the king. Oh, we're in the... We're actually, oh, we're inside the king's audience chamber. We're actually meeting the king. This is pretty cool. Alright. Climbing up the ladder. Yeah. This is networking. <laughs> What is the charge against these three, demands the king. Conspiracy to hunt for treasure in secret, your highness, states one of the guards. Treasure, exclaims the king. What treasure? King's love is... treasure. King's love, yeah. Kings are basically dragons, except shorter. Um, can't wait to see where this goes. <laughs> this is all a misunderstanding, says Boke. We heard a rumour that there might be treasure in a cave up on the mountain. We were on our way to the castle to report it to the authorities when we were stopped by your guard. A cave? On the mountain? exclaims the king. There's only one mountain around here, and that's Dragon Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> well, they know how to call him, I suppose. Yeah. Your, your Highness, we only... You start. We mustn't do anything. I repeat, anything to rouse the dragons inside the mountain, the king says. If we do, they will swoop down and devastate my kingdom again. You haven't finished rebuilding from their last attack. Maybe the dragons can be stopped, you say. Bosh, snaps the king. My wizard, Zarkon, has been trying to stop them for years, and without success. 
Now, if you're also <laughs> anxious, Sarkon's a really good name. Yeah, I want to hang out with that guy. <laughs> what was the name of the guy in Warlock of Fire? What's the name of the Warlock in Warlock of Firetop Mountain? Let me just look this up quickly. Is it Zarkon? Also, a game of some kind. Isn't there a game called Zarkon? That was uh, Zork. I don't know about Zarkon. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Google that. I'm going to ask this king to invest in my company. (laughs) So I don't have to pad my income with these goddamn cake deliveries. Yeah. Oh, no, the uh, warlock in in the Warlock of Firetop Mountain was called Zagor. So maybe these two guys know each other because they've got a few letters in the name the same. Um, when that options when that option comes up later, we'll we'll make sure to. Yeah. My wizard Zarkon has been trying to stop them for years and without success. Now, if you're also anxious to go into the mountain, a term of the salt mines should take should satisfy your curiosity. Take them away. You can't do that, shouts Boke. And why can't I? Demands the king. I mean, to be fair, the king's got a point. Yeah. He. He's the king. You're shouting at him. <laughs> like a child. Yeah. You can't do that because of this, Boke says, pulling off his cap. Long, blonde, shoulder-length hair tumbles free. I'm a girl, and my name is Vergana, says the small, thin youth you know as Boke. <sighs> Twist ending, I yeah, guess. typical. They pulled that one over eyes. On my word, exclaims the king. No, the salt mines wouldn't do for a girl. Frail things they are. Wouldn't last an hour in the mines. I resent that, exclaims Vergana. Women can do any job that a man can. Wait, now she's arguing to be the salt mines. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jeez. she's saying, I can't go to the salt mines on account of having long hair and telling you that I'm a girl. And then but like, also... Right. Then she's like, I'm... no, send me. Yeah, she's fighting for for her rights to go into the salt mines. If like, I had a dime for every time a guy took off his hat and he was really a girl, I'd be the king. <laughs> it happens a bit... You know what? It, it's, it has actually surprised me once. Um, I was at the London Comic Con. Um, a guy didn't take off the hat and reveal that actually, twist ending, um, they weren't a guy at all. It was... Um, there was... I was cosplaying a character from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, oh, nice. which is currently my Twitter picture, if you've seen that, the lovely orange sailor suit. Somebody else was uh, wearing the same costume as well, and we were talking about like having to wear wigs, because uh, that was a co- to- popular topic of conversation among cosplayers, because wigs are really annoying. And I just said, yeah, for this one I just had a, a haircut, because I was wearing a hat for the entire thing. <laughs> and the other guy, uh, who was also wearing a similar costume, said, yeah, I can tuck all my hair up inside as well. He says he pulled his hat off and flicked his hair back like he was in some kind of shampoo commercial. It was beautiful. It was like seeing a whale on... in, Breaking Like just the seeing waves. the tail of a whale appear above the water in nature. More power to him. Yeah. Yeah. That guy was all right. Anyway. I resent that, exclaims Vergana. Women can do any job that a man can. Then why, in heaven's name, can't you work in the mines, asks the king. Because it's not right for the times, says a heavy, low voice coming from a side door. My wizard, Zarkon, exclaims the king. I'm glad you're here. What am I to do about all this? Well, for this young lady, says Zarkon, how about a period of being a serving maid in the castle? As for the other two, I'd give them a choice between a short term in the mines or total banishment from the kingdom. Mm. Also, this book presumes that the person reading it 
is male as well. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, they're very good about um, never having any gender-specific pronouns. They always say, you do this, and they go there, uh, when it's talking about the player character. But, but is... also, like, they are sending us to the mines, apparently, so... Anyway, as for the two, I give him a choice between a short term in the mines or total banishment from the kingdom. The mines can't be too far from the cave with the treasure, you think. If you can escape, then... I'll take banishment, says Bread. <laughs> right, so we can either choose a short term in the mines or choose total banishment. With Bread. With Bread. Let's go with Bread. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good motto to have. Alright, oh, okay. You're at home anywhere, so banishment doesn't sound too bad. At least it's better than the salt mines. You and Bread are escorted under guard to the border of the kingdom and are warned not to come back. There's plenty of treasure in the world, and you'll find lots of it, lots of it in other places. But you'll always wonder about the treasure of Dragon Mountain. The end. That's it. That kind of came, yeah. That kind of came out of left field. Just the end of the book. Now, bye. But I hang out with Bread for the rest of my life. I guess so. Yeah. That's pretty good. Adopt some children together. Um, so wait, just what happened ha- to the girl? What? Wait. Uh, sh- I think. Oh no, she's. Um, being a serving maid in the castle. I think the person that wrote this definitely jerked off to that at some point. That's, uh, crazy. Yeah. Couldn't think of something else to do in banishment? I mean, if there's a a world where dragons are flying around, you can... So we get banished, but, um, Boak reveals that they're actually Vagana and they're a girl. So they say, okay, in that case, wear this French maid outfit and and work for us in the castle. Typical. I think... I think I injected the French maid outfit into there, but I'm sorry. I'm anime trash, so... Um, it's just typical wizard sexism. Yeah. <laughs> so what <sighs> happens? Do we... Well, we could... I kept my finger on the page. Do you want to see what happens if we choose a short term yeah, in the mines quickly? Yeah, go to the salt mines. Why not? Okay. Wait, bread's coming though, right? No, no bread's, bread's getting banished, bread's so we're going gone? to the salt mines. Yeah, bread's saying, jog on. <laughs> This was going to be... That was my long-term investment plan with the joke that Bread would get hit by fire from the dragon and then he'd be toast. Oh! Okay, okay. Um, pretend you didn't say that because we can go back to the start of the book and then maybe we'll get scorched at some point. And let's just... Okay, let's pretend that... I'll let this all out, okay? All right. All right. I trust you. For several weeks, you work and sleep in the mines. Your term as an observer is about up. On your last day, you are deep inside the maze-like complex of tunnels that make up the mine when you hear the sound of running feet and cries of panic. The guards come dashing by, followed by a number of prisoners. One of the last prisoners spots you standing by one of the big square pillars of salt that support the ceilings of the underground passageways. Run for it, he shouts. The king's men will be sealing off this part of the mine in a few minutes. Instantly, you remember what you were told a few days earlier. If the miners accidentally break through into a dragon run, one of the many large tunnels carved by the dragons under the mountain, then that part of the mine is sealed off. You turn to follow the prisoner who warned you, then stop as you realise this accident might be a great way of getting into dragon territory. The dragon run may lead directly to a hoard of treasure. You can worry about how to get out of the mountain once you grab some of it. On the other hand, if you encounter a dragon, one puff of its breath can burn you to a cinder. You have to decide quickly. Uh, let's go uh, get the inside. I want to go and yeah. Yeah. chase the salt. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? Toast. Oh, uh, I suppose so. But Bread got banished, so... Oh no, he's going to come back for a few seconds. That, so... guy, that guy is such a loser. <laughs> <laughs> just 
Just... He's going to come back for a few seconds going, Hey, Robbie, what's going on here? Oh, man, I'm being burned alive by a dragon. I guess you could say that bread, as he looks directly into the camera, is toast. As he's burning alive. Yeah. The reason you chose the salt mines in the first place was to find the dragon treasure. Hmm. This may be your only chance. Carefully, rest the water jug against a pillar. You take one of the torches from its holder in the wall and walk cautiously down the same passageway that the miners had fled. A few minutes later, you come to the spot where the diggers broke through into the dragon run. Part of the wall has collapsed. You stand before a gaping hole, pushing your torch through. You take a look. The tunnel is roughly circular with jagged walls. The floor, though, is relatively smooth. You climb through the hole into the tunnel. Like, surely there will be people to make sure that this didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if breaking into the dragon run is as dangerous as they said, then having a person of undisclosed age poke their head about and go, ooh, I'm going to steal some stuff. Yeah. Might be. <laughs> oh, well. Smooth floors kind of weirded me out. Like those, <laughs> you don't trust you know, smooth floors. You know those like, parts in Super Mario World levels when you just start sliding and you didn't think you were going to have to? Yeah. You start steering yourself around and... The stealth ice levels. I, I dislike that immensely. <laughs> you walk briskly for what seems like hours. The sound of your footsteps echoes through the silent tunnel. Without knowing why, you stop and listen. Suddenly your torch goes out. You're left in total darkness. Far off you hear a faint, roaring sound. You walk a little farther, guided by the feel of the tunnel floor. You stop again. The roaring is louder this time. Then far off down the tunnel you see two small spots of red racing towards you. You feel a little sick as you realise that they are probably the blazing eyes of a dragon, charging down the tunnel straight at you. Oh, oh man. Oh god. You only have seconds to act. Frantically, you feel along the side of the tunnel. Luckily, you stumble into a deep recess in the wall. And none too soon, a dragon roars by a second later. You lie there panting for breath, trying to pull yourself together. As you do, you feel a steady stream of cool air from somewhere above you. You stand up and feel along the wall. Above you, your searching fingers find a round hole. It might be a connecting passage to another tunnel. You've had enough of this particular dragon run for the moment. Using... (laughs) (laughs) I oh. we've had enough of this one, so we're just going to go rub ourselves in another one and see what happens. Yeah, there. So. I don't think it's going to end well for us. I'm not sure. So they're just running around in the dark. The dragons. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I guess we are as well because our torch went out. So, but I'm saying like that's like their whole thing. Their whole what like that's what they do when they're when they're not out burning the village it's just they they like run around in their own tunnels and chase each other i i guess i thought the dragons had lots of sleeping as well so this is this is real weird all right using the rough stones of the alcove wall you climb up to the opening and slide inside unfortunately the passageway isn't large enough to stand up in and you have to walk bent over in a low crouch you go on on and on like this stopping frequently to rest Finally, you hear something up ahead, the sound of rushing water. Soon the bottom of the passageway becomes damp, then gradually fills with water until it is waist high. You can feel the entrances to other tunnels to the sides, but you keep going straight along the one you're in. The tunnel ends suddenly at the edge of a broad river flowing rapidly through a high cavern. The phosphorescence of the rushing water creates a dim glow, just enough for you to see to the other side. There, you see a fairly continuous ledge just above the waterline. The current seems strong, but you may be able to reach the ledge even if you get carried some distance downstream before you reach it. Right, so... (laughs) We can either either get dunked and swim in the river, even though there's a a strong current, Uh or we can turn around and try a different tunnel somewhere else. No, yeah, jump to the ledge. Go 
That that continuous ledge sounds. Uh... Go for a swim. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought they said you could jump for it. Um, if we jump, oh no, it's um, if we jump for it, then we're going to end up in oh. the water anyway. But we can try swimming. Okay. All right, let's do it. You dive into the deep water and start swimming for the ledge. The current sweeps you downstream. Finally, you reach the other side, but the ledge is higher above the water than you thought. You have to try several times before you manage to pull yourself up. You sit there for a while, catching your breath. You have to decide which direction you will take. If you follow the river downstream, it should lead you out of the mountain and to safety. On the other hand, going upriver may lead you to new dangers, but it may also lead you to treasure. <laughs> um, good. Well, I mean, good for me. See, if they're saying going downstream will take us out and to safety, and going upstream will take a, will take us not to safety, surely that's going to take us towards treasure. Yeah, obviously. Or Be- I don't want to. Yeah, it's just like another way of banishing myself. <laughs> you know, I've learned from Bread's experience. Yeah, you know, you give up early on in life, and you you know you watch other people. You know, have have a good time running around. Watch other people get all the treasure. Yeah, run, I mean things like the dra- I. You know, I would have never experienced the dragon running around in the salt <laughs> mine if I had just gone into banishment with bread. That's an excellent point. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to meet up with bread at some point in the future, and I'm going to tell him all about this stuff I did, and he's going to feel bad about himself. You're going to also be wearing lots and lots of jewelry at the oh, time yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, Probably I'll, a give crown. Him, I'll give him some. Yeah. Because I'm not, like, an ogre. You, you are going to give him some. That, that's polite of you, I suppose. Yeah. I'll, 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 yeah. I'm going right. to be the king. <laughs> I think that's how it works. If you've got more money than the king, then you automatically become the king. So. Yeah, isn't that what it says in Magna Carta? <laughs> yeah, I think it might, I think it might be right there. All right. Uh, you walk upstream for what must be miles. Then the ledge ends at a small tunnel. You walk forward into the tunnel, even though you have to stoop over to do it. You come out into a large cavern. There is a faint light, just enough to see by. On the other side of the cavern, you can make out an enormous closed gate. You head toward it, but before you reach the gate, you find yourself surrounded by dozens of small creatures. You blink and look again. They are dwarfs. Each of the dwarfs is armed with a small crossbow. You raise your arm and start to speak, but you don't get a chance to finish. At a signal, all the dwarfs fire at you. What? And though the arrows are small, they are deadly. Too bad. We're dead. Fucking... <laughs> That's violent. Some Dark Souls type shit. Yeah. Like... <laughs> so... That's rough. That's like... Just... They introduced Take, a whole new race of creatures. And by the way, they are incredibly violent and they hate, and they hate you. So I'm not I'm clear. All right. So wait, what where did I go wrong? I should have gotten in the river and swam. Um uh well, you can either you either jump in the river or you turn around and try a different passage. I mean, yeah. We can tr- we can see what happens if we go downstream. Uh Oh, it turns out that if we go downstream, then we can actually sneak up on the dwarves and kick them if we want. Yeah, so. let's get them. Cool. You follow the river downstream for quite a distance. The light grows a bit stronger in the tunnel. Then far ahead, you see a bright spot of light. It must be the place where the river leaves the mountain. You decide to rest for a bit and then continue down the exit. You sit down on the ledge with your back against the wall. Then you notice a whistling sound above you. There's a hole of some sort in the wall over your head. You stand up and are just about to investigate when you're startled by a face peering at you from a short distance away. It is the face of a dwarf. Mm. Right. I know about these guys. Yeah. Who are... You start. Just a moment, says the dwarf. Another is coming. 
A few seconds later, Zarkon comes into view, his staff glowing in the dim light. Zarkon? You exclaim. I remember you. You're the king's wizard. What are you doing here? For one thing, Zarkon says, I'm helping my friend Nali, G-N-A-L-I, here, to get safely back to his people under this mountain. And you, I see, are still in search of treasure. That's right, you say. Then you have a choice, says Zarkon. You can go with Nali and me to search for the land of the dwarfs, and then let me help you find your treasure, or you can follow that tunnel that starts up there on the wall. It leads directly to the dragon's den. But I must warn you that the second choice is a very dangerous one. Right. Uh, yeah, let's go with Zarkon. That guy's got... I mean, he's... I don't like... He's kind of a sexist, but... Yeah. I mean, these books were published in the 80s, so... Alright. Where... Who... Where did these originate from, these Choose Your Own Adventure books? Choose Your Own Adventure is an American company, um, but Fighting Fantasy uh, was originated in the, in the UK. Um, actually, the, guy, the two guys that um, uh, started writing Fighting Fantasy, Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston, were also the guys that um, founded Games Workshop. Um, cool. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, they are pretty big deals. I've also met both of them oh, wow. and have asked them what their favorite functioning toilet in a game is. So <laughs> I think that's such a, it was such an interesting thing like a the, the choose your own adventure thing uh sort of desperate attempt to combat video games. Yeah, it kind of was actually. Like um the original fighting fantasy books were written when um like somebody came up to them and said, "Hey, could you do a um a book about Dungeons and Dragons for us. Yeah. And they said, we'll do you one better. We'll do an entire adventure that you can play by yourself. Should we go back to the oh, game? Right. So oh, yeah. They... Zardoz. Oh. Yeah, so we're going with Zarkon. Zarkon. So just... <laughs> I wish we were going with Zardoz. <laughs> oh, man. No, it'd be great. Guns right. for Zark... everybody. <laughs> the gun is good. The penis is evil. Zarkon, Nali, and you make your way back along the river. Suddenly, you're surrounded by small figures with crossbows. Gnarly, one of them shouts. You've come back. The dwarfs lead you to their banquet hall, where they prepare a feast in your honour. Zarkon, having finished his first mission, vanishes back into the mountain. Later, when you tell the dwarfs of your quest for dragon treasure, they take you to a small observation hall high above the dragon's den. You feast your eyes on the treasure that is piled on the floor way below, but you also see the size of the dragons guarding it. You're quite satisfied when the dwarfs give you a purse full of gold nuggets and lead you safely out of the mountain. The end. Wait. That's okay. That's it? I mean, we, that's how that one ends, yeah. So, wait, the, Could it, like, the crazy wizard is like, come with me, we're going to, like, meet the dwarves, and then the and then it's just like, here are the dwarves. You meet the dwarves, the end, yeah, essentially. And the, the dwarves are, are friends with the dragon, I guess. They, Cause they, I guess they live alongside the dragon and hope that he doesn't kill them, so... But yeah, I'm going to... Tolkien's uh... screaming in his grave right now, <laughs> just hammering on the inside of his coffin. Doesn't work like that, goddammit. it! All right, do you want to go back to an earlier point in the book and see what happens if you? I don't, you know, here can I just point out something about these things? Is that there's no uh, there's no gravity to these decisions being made. You, you know that it's like it's like they you know they're they're really like making you go back and change the past. And I think that that's yeah. destructive to young psyches. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, bit, yeah. you live with the decisions that you make. 
Yeah. I mean, the Choose Your Adventure books are like, um, if you look at a map of all the routes that you can take in them, it very much like spiders out, sort of. Um, like, if we say, if we go upstairs, in the, in, then we'd have a completely different story if we um, talked to the guys outside. And if you rushed past the guards instead of being arrested, that would be another completely different story to even if you went upstairs as well. Um, and like, even in some cases, just uh, going left or right will give us... Like one time we might go to, uh, to Mars or another time we might uh, go 500 years in the past. Um, whereas fighting fantasy, much more like um, there's a beginning, then there's the middle, which is all weird. You can go uh, through different parts of a dungeon and then the end is always going to be the same as well provided you didn't die along the way. So Yeah. Well, which is okay. I'm just saying like, if you're gonna if you're gonna give me a cop out ending like that, I mean this is to the writers, not to you, obviously. <laughs> Just like give me a, give me some measure of 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 say in the in the rest of my life. Like let me just choose to shake a dwarf's hand, or like if yeah. I, you know if they're like you want to put your gold in a bag or you want to put it in a box, and I say a box. <laughs> that's that's the adventure. That's life. Day to day. There was one ending that I uh, that sounds out to me in House of Hell, where um you find yourself in a torturer's chamber, and he goes, "Ah, so good to see you." Um, now you're going to be stuck here for the rest of your life, unfortunately. But would you like the tall cage or the box cage? And then, depending on which cage you go into, it like you get a slightly different ending. But they're both like you are stuck in a cage, and it's really uncomfortable. You die soon, hmm. which is that's all right. That's in there. So do you want to go back to an earlier choice in the book then? These fucking dwarves, though. <laughs> yeah, they're just so quick to shoot me down uh, if I'm not hanging out with Zarkon. Well, that just felt like um, a puzzle in an adventure game or something. Like it's very much key and lock puzzle, where the lock is the dwarves and the crossbows, and the key is if you have Zarkon with you, then they won't kill you to death instantly. So. Uh. Are these thinking? They're obviously thinking creatures. If they've created a society that's organized enough that they can live around dragons in a big mine under a mountain, and also make crossbows. You think that, and they're and they, you know, and you know, they're organized enough to encircle me. Mm. They can see that I'm a human. Yeah, I know it's kind of messed up, honestly. Yeah, this is what uh, what what are we even fighting die for? You know, yeah. These dwarves uh, can go around shooting us with crossbows unless we got wizards <laughs> in tow. Well, they just live in a cave by themselves. These dwarves are anarchic; they are off the grid. I outside of the king's purview. These, these are the, these are like anti-vaccination people. I can tell. Oh God! I hope they all get killed by dragons then. In that case, yeah. All right. Have you noticed that nobody dies of getting set on fire anymore? No, no, nobody. <laughs> right. So shall we go back to the start then? Yeah. Oh, right, no, wait, so... the start? Or isn't there a one more thing that isn't... What... Oh, yeah, there was, um, if we uh, say, I don't want to jump in the river, I want to try something else, wasn't it? Yeah, couldn't I go... Yeah, uh, okay. If you decide to go back and try one of the other branching tunnels, turn to page 115. Alright, nice, 150. You go back, pick one of the tunnels, and enter it. Soon you see a red glow up ahead. You come out of the tunnel into a scene that reminds you of pictures of hell. Bubbling springs of molten rock are all around you. A heavy sulfur smell fills the air, and it is very, very hot. Mm. Down below in a deep chasm, a glowing stream of lava flows slowly. A narrow stone arch stretches over the fiery stream. So our guy's just here going, yeah, this is good. 
<laughs> yeah. Something makes, behind you makes you turn. An ape-like creature with long, jagged teeth is charging at you. There is nowhere to go except over the, st- the narrow stone arch. You decide to risk it and hope that the soles of your shoes will protect your feet long enough for you to get to the other side. You try a quick dash over the hot span, but the heat and suffocating fumes are too much for you. You collapse at the centre of the stone arch. The creature pounces on you, but you're already finished. The end. What? Oh my, oh my god. That's the most terrifying ending of all. Yeah, we didn't even get killed by a dragon, we were killed by... Some kind of gorilla. Yeah. Oh, that's nasty. A gorilla in a fire pit. Hmm. That's... Maybe the gorilla was on fire as well. That's makes it even more dangerous, I think. There's nothing being... I, I feel like there's nothing more f- terrifying than being unexpectedly murdered by a gorilla in a place that a gorilla shouldn't be. You know what? Like Murders of the Rue Morgue? Yeah. Like, nobody ever expects a gorilla to sneak up on them. But they probably could. Yeah. I'm not, I know, never been snuck up on by a gorilla. If you have, then email into the show, and uh, I'll amend this in the next episode. It's because a gorilla trainer doesn't have anything against you yet. <laughs> of course. Of course. Unbelievable. The only um, beef that I've got is with the Yogg's cast. I don't even think that they know I exist yet, so... Yeah. Alright, should we try a different thing, then? Yeah. Uh, shall we go upstairs and chat with um, uh, yeah. Boke and Bread? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Bread's back. Yeah. All right. Once secure in the privacy of his room, the heavy man begins his story. My name is. It says Reynold, so he finally gets a name when we go this other path. But All right. that's not Can his name. Can we just call him Bucket? Bucket. Okay. <laughs> My name is Bucket. A week ago, I found a man lying wounded way up on Dragon Mountain. I tried to help him, but he was past help. Just before he died, he gave me a map. What does the map show, you ask? Renal Bucket, sorry. Bucket unfolds a small piece of parchment. The location of a cave high up on the side of the mountain. Whether there is treasure in the cave, I don't know. But in the last minutes of his life, the man mumbled something about an immense hoard of dragon treasure beneath the earth. Tell me how to get to this cave, you say, and I'll give you part of any treasure that I find. Sorry, I burped midway through the I think I can find the cave, says Boke. I'd like, you to see, I'd like to see what's inside it myself. Have you forgotten the king's guard? asks Bucket. There's a little used path that we can take to get by the guard. The less they know about our comings and goings, the better. Mm. Bucket shakes his head. I'll stay here and wait for you to return. I don't want anything to do with dragons. Oh, fine. Bucket, <laughs> useless. God, this, this fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. He's like, just right. unwilling to do anything. It, We've got this big plan to go and get dragons, and you're gonna go do it for me. God. Settled, then, you say. You know, he Boke reminds me of, like, a friend I had back home uh, All right. when I was growing up that just, like, would never leave. He just would never leave. He'd just, like, he'd be like, you know, there's, you know, he'd be in this shitty little town in northern Florida, and he would just, you know, be like, you know, you could take a flight you could go visit los angeles or new york or you go to london or paris and he's just like no it's just it's too expensive i don't want to i could just like, <laughs> sit at home and watch tv and, and this guy <laughs> oh no it's, like, it's just the saddest thing yeah travel's really good it's, it's a bit of a difference between looking at a picture of somewhere cool and going there so absolutely and yeah. now he still I'm... lives with his parents you know that really? he's actually a year older I... than i am 
I'm not going to ask how old you are. I think that would be impolite, but... Mm. Oh, no, I'm, it's okay. I'm 34. I mean, I've, I've lived okay. a long, exciting life so far. <laughs> well, you've, been a, you've had a thing on Adult Swim, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. So, where were we? Settled, then, you say. Boke and I will leave at dawn. After a few hours of sleep, you and Boke start off at daybreak. You follow a narrow, twisting street to the edge of town, and then a narrow path up into the low hills beyond. As you near Dragon Mountain, the trail becomes steeper and steeper. Just as you are crossing a shadowy clearing, you and Boke are riveted to the ground by an unseen and powerful force. Mm. Oh god, do you know who it is? Okay, a burst of hearty laughter comes from the trees as a tall bearded figure wearing a long, elaborately patterned cloak steps into the clearing. He carries a long carved staff. Santa Claus. <laughs> I, I wish. The wizard Zarkon, exclaims Boke. Wait, did, it didn't say that he had a big beard before. No, but there's a drawing of him here. He's got a big beard and a patterned robe. This is like one of those complicated universes where everybody's got three names and like three things that they look like. Uh, y- yeah, it might be. Like, he reaches into his pocket, pulls out a mask. Well, it's like how like, Gandalf can like make himself look more like a beggar sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be it, actually. That's how, He's got <laughs> that's how both are able to foil us so easily. Alright. So you would dare to enter the cave in the mountains, Archon says. You would go down to the dragon's den itself, I'll wager, for treasure. Don't look so surprised. I've just been reading your minds. Nothing much to that. That's just rude. What? He's been reading our minds. Come on. Zarkon laughs again. And you, Vagana, disguised as a boy, no less, he says, pointing his staff at Boke. Oh. With... He, he doesn't know. <laughs> Just making a guess. Because up in the king's quarters, he didn't know. No. Or maybe he was, like, playing cool, being like, yeah, I know exactly what's going to happen. They here, got, I'm going to make got, a say You know it. what? Maybe the king's got one of those psychic dampeners. <laughs> He's just tired of Zarkon's shit. Yeah. As am I. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so Bucket's and out of the picture already? Bucket is left behind in this... Like, Yeah, Bucket was saying, alright, so I really like some gold from a dragon, but I don't want to do any of the hard work. Fortunately, my good friend Boke here... Right, right, right. <sighs> Bucket. Zarkon laughs. And you, Vergana, disguised as a boy, no less, he says, pointing a staff at Boke. With that, Boke's hat flies off, revealing a full head of beautiful blonde hair, which, coming undone, falls to her shoulders. You're an old meddler, Zarkon, says Boke, whom you realise you must now call Vargana. Stay out of this. We mean to find our fortunes in return. Zarkon frowns. Watch your tongue, young lady. I could easily change you into a tadpole. Luckily, I like your spirit. Then he turns to you. And you, wanderer, are the one I have waited for. Your guidance will be invaluable to me. Let me introduce you to a friend. I do appreciate how they don't like have names for... um. Your ca- your character. I do. Like, it, it just reminds me of like being the courier or vault dweller or something. Well, it really, yeah, it lets you you know really put your whole thing and you know your whole personality into it. Yeah. The small figure of a dwarf child jumps into view. Uh, this is gnarly. One of the few dwarfs ever to have left Dragon Mountain. Zarkon continues. Three years ago, he fell into an underground stream that carried him out of the mountain over a waterfall, miraculously unharmed. He was found on the bank of the lake below a, below by a woodcutter. Since then, Gnarly has been raised by the woodcutter's family. Now he wants to go back into the mountain and return to his own family. Since my mission takes me to Dragon Mountain, I've promised to help him find his home. If you and Vergana will join us, perhaps we can help each other. We don't have much choice, Vergana whispers. 
Exactly, agreed Zarkon. Now if memory serves me, we can take this path straight up the mountain, a rough climb, but it's the fastest way. Or we can take the other path, which follows a longer winding route. That way will leave us in better shape to explore the cave once we get there. We'll let a young adventurer decide. So we can either take the winding route, or go straight up the mountain. Let's take the winding route. Hmm. Um, also, I don't mean to alarm you, but I just turned over the page, and there's an illustrator, uh, illustration of a guy wearing a leather jacket pointing a gun at our main character. And I've got no fucking idea how that is going to happen. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that, to finding that, though. All right. Do you have a gun? I didn't see any... Sorry. Are you, are you, are you a gun owner? Um, I live in the UK, so... Yeah. It's not... I think you basically have to own a farm if you want to own a uh, rifle or anything like that. You can't have one in your apartment? No, um, legally we're not allowed to. Oh, I didn't know. It's a lot harder to get a gun license in the UK. Alright, next time I'm up in the UK, I'm bringing a gun. (laughs) Alright. Um, everybody listening on the podcast, that's just a joke, he's not actually going to do it. To Robbie, if you could bring me a Beretta, that'd be pretty cool. Uh-huh. Um, a Beretta? Oh, no, I'm going to get... No, man, you're going to get a fucking revolver, man. Do it upright, okay. Yeah. Blue okay. steel, baby. <laughs> Six shots, more than enough to kill anything that moves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The whole planet. <laughs> just fucking annihilating the Earth with a gun. Yeah, this shoot do. it six times, it, def- it just deflates. <laughs> goes pinging off into space like yeah. a balloon, like a beach ball or something. I don't see any use in wearing ourselves out, you say, as you start up the winding path. The four of you climb easily and steadily higher until the woods start to thin out. Ahead, through the last of the trees, you see a broad alpine meadow sloping up toward the top of the mountain high above you. You are halfway across the meadow when you hear noises behind you. Turning, you see a large group of soldiers on horseback charging toward you. Jesus. I don't like the looks of that, you say. We haven't got much of a chance out here in the open if they attack us. Don't worry, says Zarkon. I recognise my friend Valerian in the lead. He's the captain of the King's Guard. Mm. The horsemen gallop up to you and dismount. Zarkon, I'm glad that I found you, Valerian says. The king requests your urgent return to the castle. But I'm on an important mission, says Zarkon. Prince Rupert has fallen ill, Valerian says. Again, Zarkon exclaims. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he drank too much Valerian root. Yeah. Ooh. See what you did there. Yeah. I, I really appreciate just Prince Rupert has fallen ill. A bloody Prince Rupert. <laughs> this time it appears more serious than the times before, says Valerian. Your presence always seems to cure him. I know. <laughs> says the <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I guess I'll have to go. He is, after all, the heir to the throne. Half of your party will return with me to the, to the castle. The other half will provide safe escort for my companions to a point high on the mountain. I'm sorry, Zarkon, Valerian says, but my orders do not include... Zarkon raises his staff and glowers. I advise you to do as I say, he commands. You know how I get when I'm mad. <laughs> uh... Has Zarkon actually done any magic? Like, as far as I know, he no. told us that he read our minds, but actually he was just... Probably following us at a distance and listening to our conversation. I mean, if you think about it, just like him guessing that uh, uh, the girl, the guy was a girl. I mean, you got a fifty-fifty chance. Yeah. In any well, situation, really. Yeah, I mean. I mean, are, either they are, or they ain't. I don't know. 
Yeah, but I don't... I mean, to be honest, it doesn't happen to me that often that uh, people disguise themselves as the opposite gender. Well, I mean, but you're not a quartz wizard, are you? Uh, that's a good point, actually. I'm just... <laughs> Maybe things were different back in the time of dragons. Yeah. <laughs> this is ridiculous. All right. All right. But as if I could forget, Valyrian groans. All right, we'll bend the rules a bit. Valyrian divides up the troops. Five of the guard, including himself, will return with Zarkon. The other five will escort you up the mountain. I will rejoin you soon, I hope, Zarkon calls, as he jumps on the back of Valyrian's horse. You watch as he gallops back down the mountain. Then you, Fagana, and Nali each climb up behind a horseman and continue up on the mountain. This isn't so bad, we get a horse. That's okay. Yeah. It is late afternoon when you see a tower at the top of the mountain. At the same time, the horses stop before a strange structure on the ground. A low fence of thick metal threads running in both directions as far as you can see. You dismount, touch one of the threads, and instantly jerk your arms back in pain. The fence is burning hot. Ooh. You try to step over the metal threads, but one of the troopers reaches over and grabs you. This is the dragon line, he says. The king has forbidden us to cross it. The dragons will know if we do. How, you ask? The dragons are supposed to be under the mountain, miles away. I know not what evil magic is at play here, replies the trooper, but I would not tempt fate. You may go on at your own risk, but my men and I are returning to the castle, no matter what Zarkon asked us to do. I would advise you that, that you do the same. Hmm. Right. This is strange. So, a low fence of thick metal, and when we touch it, it's burning hot. Hmm. This is... I... <sighs> right. <laughs> Theory crafting here. I have not actually read any of this book before today. Um, but considering that we saw the guy with a gun... Yeah. Do you think this might just be an electric fence? That's what I was cross... thinking. As yeah, we're about to cross over into the modern day. Yeah. Man, that'd be pretty cool if that Wait, actually You saw the picture of the guy with the gun before Yeah, I thought that could have just been... I just, I just saw that now when I was flicking through the book. Oh, that, like... that could have been like a time travel thing where you get sent into the future and then shot. <laughs> so, do you want to either take the trooper's advice and go back down the mountain, or do you want to cross the dragon line... No, yeah, cross the dragon line, man. We gotta see what's going on. I mean, it's called the dragon line. I think it's only polite that we cross it. Yeah. What? What's life for, then? Yeah. I think I'll keep going up the mountain, you say. I'm with you, says Vagana. Nali also nods yes. Thanks for bringing us this far, you tell the troopers as you step over the dragon line. You turn to wave goodbye as they ride off down the slope. Looks as if we're on our own, you say. Looks like it, Vagana agrees. And even with the map, she says, taking it out of her boot... I still can't tell where that cave is. Cave or no cave, you say. I think we're onto something. You see that tower up there? That could mark an entrance into the mountain. It also appears to mark the top of the mountain, says Nali. You ignore his remark and climb towards the tower. You're almost there when you notice a number of large black shapes in the southern sky. They're closing fast. I don't like the look of those things, you say. Let's make a dash for the tower. There may be a door at its base. This is weirding me out. The three of you race to the tower. Frantically, you search around the base, but there is no way in. The black shapes are now clearly the hideous forms of dragons. A dozen of them close in and begin circling the tower. What'll we do now? Nali asks in a shaky voice. Before you can answer, a huge blast of flame whips across the mountaintop. When the smoke clears, only the scorched earth remains around the blackened stone tower. The end. Unbelievable. That was really, anti- that was really anticlimactic. It's also weird, it, you know, they're like, oh, the dragons are hideous. But when they were when they were just like hanging out with the dwarves, they're just like dragons. All right, chilling out. Yeah. Here's some gold, peace. 
<laughs> Very chill dragons. Wonder, I wonder if we'll ever meet those uh, crazy fire uh, gorillas again. Yeah, that was really odd, but I'm okay with that. Um, I'm trying to find where the, that choice was, where you can say, go down from the dragon line. Oh, right. This is... This book is weird. Is this weirder than than they normally are for you? It's just like it's ending quite abruptly, like more abrupt than than usual as well. And also, there's a guy with a gun at one point in it. Yeah, fine. And all right, so we return back down the mountain after taking troops' advice. There's something about this device that I definitely don't like. You say, "Let's go back to the forest cover as fast as we can." I'll second that as one of the troopers. Jump on and let's get out of here. Fortunately, going downhill is faster for the horses, but it still seems like an eternity before you reach the woods. Something in the back of your mind is shouting danger. When you get to the woods, the troopers hide their horses among the trees to rest. Then you go back up to the edge of the woods and look up to the slope. Far up on the mountain, you see black shapes circling. They could be birds, but birds flying at such a great distance would, be, would barely be visible from where you are. You know the circling shapes are something much larger? Dragons. <laughs> I don't know about you, you say to Vergara and Nali, but I'm going deeper into the forest for a while. I have to decide if I really want that dragon treasure as much as I thought I did. The end. That's great. Kind of, yeah. That was kind of disappointing that it was just... So wait, if we, look, uh, the other one is just to go straight up the mountain, I suppose? Uh, yeah, there was that uh, route. We can either take the winding route or we can go straight up the mountain and see what happens there. So. Oh, wait. Was there a choice of when the army came and like took the wizard away? Um, I guess there wasn't. No. Crazy. That was very much just us getting railroaded into this. Yeah, so uh, let's see what happens if we go straight up the mountain instead of yeah. sp- doing the other thing. Released from Zarkon's spell, you stride forward eagerly, leading the others straight up the mountain. After hours of climbing, the four of you reach the entrance to the cave. It is a shallow cave with smooth, dark walls. All of you search the cave carefully. You find nothing inside, and no openings going deeper. I guess you might as well go back, Nali says. Wait, exclaims Zarkon. I sense a hollowness beyond this part of the wall. Stand back, all of you. In the dim light of the cave, Zarkon's eyes begin to glow. A ray of light emanates from them, striking the back wall. Slowly, a round spot on the wall begins to turn luminous red. Sparks fly from it, a hole starts to form in the rock, and then grows larger. A strong rush of air flows through the cave and into the newly formed opening. Suddenly, Zarkon grabs his head, groans, and falls to the floor of the cave. His face is very pale. That is the most I can do, he says. My energy is exhausted. The underground forces here are very powerful and do not like to be disturbed. I'm not sure we should use this entrance to the mountain. Jesus. <laughs> so, wait a minute. Zarkon is, can shoot lasers from his eyes that can melt through rock. That's what he does. That's what, how he makes uh, Prince Rupert uh, feel better. Some of his lasers. <laughs> hey, Prince Rupert, check this out. He's like, awesome. I'm going to school today. <laughs> wow. That's weird. Okay, so we can either agree with Zarkon and try to find another way into the mountain, or we can conv- try and convince him that we should go in there. Wait. Uh, I guess... Let's... I guess convince him? I don't see why not. I mean, what is... Who are these people? <laughs> this... this... Yeah. Zarkon, you say. I think we should keep going into the mountain from here. Another entrance may be just as dangerous. 
You wait a while until Zarkon recovers and sits up, with Vargana's help. All right, we'll try it, he says. Nali, crawl in and see if the rest of us will fit. After 15 minutes, Nali returns. The passage is tight, even for me, he reports. But it widens out into a large cavern after about 100 feet. It's very dark. I need some kind of light phone to go back to investigate it. This time we'll all go. All of us who wish to, Zarkon says, looking at Vergana. After you, she replies. Age before beauty. Mm. I hope you'll still have your sense of humour when this adventure is over, Zarkon mutters. <laughs> Zarkon, come on, man. He's really uh, become such a curmudgeon. Yeah. I think he's just cranky because he did his laser eye trick and now he's all tuckered out. <laughs> Zarkon disappears into the hole. The three of you follow. You get stuck a few times, but make it through with nothing worse than a slightly skinned elbow and a bruised knee. Zarkon holds up his staff. The end of it glows bright red like a flaming coal. Ugh, heard that before. Ugh. (laughs) Once your eyes become accustomed to the darkness, the red light is quite adequate to see by. You're in a large cavern. Stalactites hang from the ceiling and huge water-carved structures like half-melted statues are spread across the floor. Suddenly, a horde of small flying creatures come sailing at you. Vampire bats, Zarkon shouts. Shut your eyes tight. What? You obey... Z- Shut your eyes. You obey Zarkon's command. Suddenly, there is an explosion and a bright flash of light. Uh. The bats turn in mid-flight and vanish back into the darkness. I think we're safe for the moment, Zarkon says. Let's see if I can get a bit more light out of this stick. Zarkon wraps his staff against his arm. The end of the staff grows bright white, throwing light into the farthest reaches of the cavern. You notice Nali over on the other side, scraping frantically at the wall. The edge of something, a door perhaps, begins to appear under his fingers. I do believe you found something, Zarkon says to him. Stand back and I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Zarkon waves his staff back and forth at the wall. There's a cracking and splitting sound as the wall alternately cl- expands and contracts until it finally collapses with a loud crash. A huge cloud of dust rises from the, from the rubble. As the dust clears, an elaborate, elaborately sculptured door appears. It's metal gleaming in the light from Zarkon's staff. By my word, exclaims Zarkon, would you look at that? Complete with an inscription in Dwarfish, no less. Perhaps, Nali, you would like to translate. <laughs> the three of you look at Nali expectantly, but he stands pale as a ghost and shaking with fear. It's it's a curse directed at all dwarves. It's too horrible to repeat, Nali stutters. It's the entrance to the realm of Tarlane, says Zarkon, the dreaded dragon master himself. He's the one I've come to stop. I, for one, must go through that door. I'm sorry, but I can't go with you, says Nali. I know, Zarkon says. <laughs> Do not feel bad. You'll find another way to your people. I'll go with you, Zarkon, says Vagana. Someone should go back with Nali and help him on his search, Zarkon says. So either we can go back with Nali and help him, or we can stay with Zarkon and Vagana. No, we're staying with Zarkon and Vagana, man. You gotta yeah. find this dude with a gun. <laughs> of course, yeah. Anybody can hold down... Some kind of a situation can boss a dragon around. Mm. It's a guy with a gun. <laughs> also, it's much less likely for Gnarly the Dwarf to be shot by all the other dwarfs as well. But, you know, you, you can't tell in these books. So Yeah. I've come this far, you say. I'm not turning back now. It's all right, says Gnarly. I'm quite content to find my way alone. You watch Gnarly disappear back down the passageway to the cave. Presumably grumbling about how he's not actually that content and he's actually very pissed off, but whatever. You do, you deal with it, Gnarly. He could have gone back to it. He, he fig, probably could have figured out that he was a dwarf when he was being raised by those farmers or whatever. And then yeah. he could have gone home on his own. He doesn't need a wizard. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 
I, I think people should just stop waiting for a wizard to come along and sort their lives out and start trying yeah, to man. make a name for themselves. Follow your genetic imperative, man. <laughs> you turn to the sculptured door. It pushes open easily, and you, Vergana, and Zarkon step through. You find yourselves in a corridor with walls of metal and a, doomed, and a domed ceiling low enough for you to reach up and touch. When you do, you feel a slight tingling in your fingers. The corridor is straight as an arrow. You walk single file for what seems like miles. Finally, you see a tiny dot of bluish light far ahead. When you reach it, you see that it is the open entrance to a small circular room. At the opposite side are three more doors, all closed. The centre door has a small circle above it with an arrow drawn inside the circle. The door has no latch, but Zarkon presses a spot halfway up the door frame. Silently, the door slides open, revealing a small square room. Why did they tell us that there were three doors when Zarkon's going to be all like, And if I do this, <laughs> teehee. <laughs> Fine. I know of these rooms, says Zarkon, stroking his beard. That one exists in our time is strange. They possess a peculiar magic. They can suddenly take you up or down. This one has all the marks of being directly controlled by Tarlane, the Dragon Master. We'd better avoid it if we can. Yeah. Yep. Can you think of a special magical room that makes you up that makes you go up or down, by the way? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. Got one in my <clears> apartment <throat> building. <laughs> one in my apartment building that's been out of order for the last three months, and if they don't do anything about it, then I'm gonna take it up with the city. That's right. Your people might call it a lift. <laughs> the other two doors have latches. Vagana has opened one of them. Inside, a steep circular staircase winds upward. You open the third door to find another long corridor. This one, however, has rough, rock, jagged rock walls. Vagana comes over to look. This tunnel is more to my liking than that steep stairway, she says. The stairway is more likely to lead us to where we want to go. But I'll leave it up to you, Zarkon says, looking at you. Right. Stairway or rough rock tunnel? It's a uh, crazy, like Zarkon's just like, I understand what this is, but let's, uh, let's just hear what the new guy, <laughs> what, what he thinks we should do. Yeah. Because it seemed like from what he was saying that he's got history with Vergana as well. Yeah. Maybe. That's, that's just the way it sounded. Why? All right. I mean, I guess I want to go up the stairway because... That seems like it, yeah. There's going to be a gunslinger. He's probably on. He's probably in his nice penthouse. Probably somewhere near some stairs. His nice penthouse in Dragon Mountain. Yeah. You agree with Zarkon that the circular stairway is the best way to go, but after a half hour of climbing steadily upward, you're not so sure that you made the right choice. You are tired and dizzy from going round in circles, but you keep climbing. Stop a moment, says Zarkon. I think I hear something. The three of you listen. Far above, you hear a throbbing sound. What is it? Vergana whispers. It could be a dragon breathing, you suggest. Perhaps, says Zarkon. More likely some evil device of the dragon master. Mm. Just who or what is this dragon master, you ask? There are many legends about him, answers Zarkon. Some say that he has travelled back into our time from the future. Oh, right. <laughs> How can anyone come back from the future, asks Vergana. There are things stranger than you imagine, Zarkon says with a chuckle. In fact, there are things stranger than you... In fact, there are things stranger than you can imagine. Wizards like myself know something of this. Is the Dragon Master a wizard, you ask? I don't think so, Zarkon replies thoughtfully. He is something different. What? Even I am not sure. I do know that with his dragons, he has spread death and destruction across the kingdoms. He must be stopped. Well, Dragon Master or not, says Vergana, let's go up and find out what's there. The three of you continue cautiously up the stairs until you reach a trap door closed above you. You listen quietly for a while. And so you push the trapdoor open an inch or so. What you see makes you gasp. 
You are looking into a luxurious chamber with deep, richly patterned rugs and ornately decorated walls, all about a large table set with dishes and goblets of gold and silver, some encrusted with jewels. On one side of the chamber, throbbing away, is a large device made of metal and crystal. That is what you heard from below. Is it a TV? Do you think it's a TV? Yeah, it's a TV. <laughs> this looks like a king's chamber, you whisper. Or that of a master thief, says Zarkon grimly. The three of you climb up through the trapdoor and stand listening for a few moments. Then you search through the other rooms of the complex. They contain strange devices, things that you've never e- seen before, even in your extensive travels. We'd better hide, says Zarkon. I sense someone coming. Over here. He points to a large cabinet in the corner. It looks big enough to hold all three of us. No, says Vergana. She points across the room to a space piled high with large folded pieces of cloth. We'd be much safer behind these weavings. Mm. Our adventurer here has probably had a lot of experience at hiding, says Zarkon, half mockingly. Which place do you think is best to hide in? So we can hide in a cabinet, we can hide behind some weavings. Weavings? Uh, Wait, let me think about what weavings are. I think it might be curtains, possibly, or maybe a clothes horse. By the way, I really like it when... um, like people ju- uh, in fiction or like fantasy stuff when people describe everyday stuff as if they're an outsider I think yeah. that should, should be done more personally well like whenever, when I think weavings I just think of like I don't know I just think of potato sacks for some reason <laughs> I guess the cabinet you know this kind of reminds me of it's like uh, you ever read the Gene Wolfe books the shadow of the torture and all that I can't say I have. Oh, well. Well, Go, go on, though. No, nah, that's it. Uh, I guess let's go <laughs> in the cabinet. Go for the cabinet? Yeah. All right, I'll tell you this now. Apparently, apparently, hiding in a cabinet or hiding in the weavings will give us very different endings. So that's kind of weird. Um, All right, um, so we're hiding in the cabinet then. I get Yeah. That's a strange-looking cabinet, you say. Still, it's large enough. To... <laughs> Still, it's large enough. To... <laughs> Great. Still, it's large enough to hold the three of us easily. The three of you quickly climb inside. As you close the door behind you, there's a click and then a whirring sound. You didn't expect that. Suddenly, you're whirled around, spinning faster and faster. You struggle to get the door open, but it is no use, and you're rapidly losing consciousness. Oh my! When you wake up, the whirling has stopped. The door clicks open again. You shake your head to get rid of the grogginess in it. Aside from feeling dizzy, the three of you are all right. You brace yourself for a confrontation with whoever might be outside the cabinet, but when you peek out, no one is there. Instead, the room that the cabinet was in, you entered... Ugh. Instead, the room that the cabinet was in when you entered it has been replaced by a much larger room. One that is filled with the same kind of devices that there were in the old room, but there are so many more of them. On the other side of the room, a, lo- a long, high window looks out over a broad valley ringed by tall mountains. A door next to the window leads outside. The three of you go out. The view is breathtaking, and the distance of many strange-looking buildings and structures. By some magic that I don't understand, says Zarkon, we've been transported in time, into the future from the looks of it. As he says this, you hear a heavy droning overhead in the sky. If we've travelled in time, you say, the dragons have followed us. Look up there. God. Hundreds of black cross-like shapes fill the sky. What is happening, asks Vagana. Could those be dragons dropping their eggs? Run, you shout in a panic. You race for the cover of a nearby grove of trees. Wait a minute. When do we go outside? Um, I, I guess I... they just push you outside. Dragons dropping their eggs. You gotta really yeah. think about that. Just dragons dropping eggs. Hmm. I... 
I somehow feel like the low droning noise and dragons are above us dropping eggs. Alright, yeah, so even though it said that we were in a room, uh-huh. we're looking outside and now saying, alright, let's run for it, and we're hiding by some trees, sure. Alright. Oh, run, you shout in panic. You race for the cover of a nearby grove of trees. Suddenly there are tremendous explosions all around you. One of them destroys the inside of the building you just came out of. Zarkon pulls you and Vergana to the ground, just in time to save you from being hit by pieces of windows flying through the air. I, I have a horrible feeling, says Zarkon, that we have just travelled forward in time to a period that makes the time we come from seem very peaceful. And I'm afraid our chances of returning to our time were just blown up. The end. Well. That's ridiculous. There's, you know, this keeps coming up a lot in just like what, you know, just, you know, people always look back at the time, like a hundred years ago, and they said, that was a great time. You know, people really had it all figured out back then. And, you know, you know, we, obviously there is still violence in the world, and sure, bombing raids of some kind obviously occurred here, but I'm betting that the, that the world that they just landed in is probably a lot less sketchy than the one they came from with their dragons and murderous dwarves and fucking fire gorillas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just... Also, like, you've got to wonder what kind of influence dragons would have on uh, people building and constructing equipment as well like yeah i'm sure that the people probably wouldn't build a bombing run uh, planes for bombing if no. they've got to deal with scales and tough armor instead so they got really they would have really uh heavy duty fire hoses well of course yeah <laughs> um oh, i would like to see Honestly, I'd like to see a choose your own adventure book start off from where that ending just left us. That would be. <laughs> that would actually. Really, you should write one of these. You probably write might enough do. of them by now. Well, yeah, well, Twine's a thing, isn't it? So yeah, I, I might do that actually. I. I... Uh, yeah. Show you what happens if you hide behind the weavings because I don't think that'll send us through time. Uh yeah, that's that's right. yeah weavings. So wait, that that's... entire thing we had no choice after we got yeah, into just... the cabin. You... Jump, jump in the cabinet, then it takes a few time, and then the thing gets blown up by bombs for some reason that has never gone into. Maybe they went to Iraq in 2003. <laughs> Maybe. Let's hide behind the weavings, you say. No sooner have you settled down behind them that you hear a high-pitched voice coming from one of the other rooms. Talane, where are you? I know you're here, so don't try hiding. You know I can pick up your vibrations. I know that voice, says Zarkon under his breath. It's the sorceress Mordana. What? I wonder what she's... Mordana, with the, with the D. I wonder what she's doing here. I'll find you, Tarlane, Mordana calls, getting closer to where you are hidden. I'm getting vibrations. I'm getting warmer. And indeed, she's coming directly toward you. What'll we do if Mordana finds us, you whisper to Zarkon. Don't worry, he says. I think I can handle her. Mordana is almost on top of you when there is a loud bang, like a heavy metal door being slammed shut at the far end of the complex. There you are, Tarlane, shouts Mordana. I knew you were hiding. Hiding? Nonsense, Tarlane exclaims. I just came down from the tower. I see you have a dragon staff, but then you always do, says Mordana. You've been up in the tower directing the dragons. How exciting. I wish you'd let me try it sometime. Is she coming on to him? Yeah. God. Keep it together, Mordana. Forget it, Tarlane says. It takes a lot of practice to control the dragons. You'd have them crashing into each other. Or worse, crashing into the tower itself. Now if you'll excuse me, I'm going to take a shower. What? Oh, <laughs> oh, what? asks Mordana. You know, where you get under a spray of water and wash the dirt off. Oh yes, I remember now, Mordana says with a grimace. It's one of those unhealthy, unhealthy, disgusting things you do. 
I mean, to be fair, <laughs> in the age where people ran around with swords and there were dragons, yeah, the water probably wasn't all that clean anyway. Yeah, I mean, you have to go to a river or like the ocean. Mm. Couldn't, you know, pull from the well. <sighs> the well had all the bodies in it and all the poop. Oh, exactly, yeah. It's one of those unhealthy, disgusting things you do. You're such a child of your century, Tarlane size. You dare to call me a child? Just a figure of speech, says Tarlane. And now if you'll just wait in the other room until I'm done, I, I, I guess I'm going to go get naked. Fine. You hear the sound of a stream of water suddenly start nearby. A cloud of steam begins to rise in the room where you are hiding. Carefully you look out from behind the weavings. You can see the vague outline of Tarlane standing in a large basin on the other side of a hanging curtain. Oh. Steaming water is pouring... <laughs> For kids. Little kids. Yeah, this is inappropriate, Tarlane. Yeah. Steaming water is pouring down on him from some spot in the ceiling. Propped up against the outside of the basin is a long, thin metal rod, the dragon staff itself. Oh. Do you think you can reach Tarlane's staff without his seeing you, Vergana whispers as she peeks out beside you. So we can either reach out and snatch the dragon staff, or we can wait for him. Uh, snatch it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Yeah. As quietly as you can, you sneak out into the steam-filled room, and, on your hands and knees, crawl to the staff. You grab it and sneak back to the pile of weavings. While Tarlane is still preoccupied with Spazarkon, I'm going to confront Mordana. You must not let go of the dragon staff, and don't come out until I tell you I have a plan. Mm. Zarkon disappears into the other room. You can just barely hear him talking with Mordana. Fortunately, Tarlane has started singing to himself. You hope he can't hear them at all. Zarkon, what are you doing, Mordana exclaims. Just passing through, Zarkon replies. And you, you've teamed up with this crazy dragon master. So, <sighs> are we stuck in a... Is Zarkon entering into a love triangle with these guys, I guess. Wait, because... Wait, is Zarkon, like, just chilling with these people? It seems like it, because Mordana says, what are you doing here? And go, you know, just passing through yeah, Dragon Mountain. in your house. Okay, you've teamed up with this crazy Dragon Master. Hardly, says Mordana, indignantly, but I have use of him. Ah, oh, the Dragon Staff is what you're after, says Zarkon. Perhaps... Did you say something? Tarlane calls out over the sound of the flowing water. Just talking to myself, Mordana calls back. Then she softly said to Zarkon, You'd better get out of here fast. All right, Mordana, says Zarkon. I'm going back through the trapdoor. See you again sometime. Suddenly Tarlane stops singing and turns off the, bu- the water. All is quiet for a moment. Tarlane steps out of the basin, dripping wet. He reaches over and grabs one of the pieces of cloth. Unfortunately, he grabs you by the hair. Oh. Oh, dang it. <laughs> Wait. Oh. <laughs> so what? I was just, he just wasn't. I, he they, they weren't. Uh, after I grabbed the staff, I didn't go back to safety. I just sat there. Yeah, I guess so. Hiding behind the um, hiding behind a bunch of towels, which were the, were the weavings, I suppose. Ugh! cries Tarlane, releasing her hair. I've got to send these those towels to the laundry. He takes from the weavings, dresses himself off, and puts on a robe. I see. Then, just as you feared, Tarlane begins to search for his staff. All right, Mordana, where did you put it? What do you mean, Mordana asks indignantly. Listen, Mordana, I left my dragon stuff leaning against the tub while I took a shower, and now it's gone. Since you're the only one here besides me, I assume that you took it. But I'm not the only one here, or at least I wasn't until a few moments ago, Mordana says. Zarkon the wizard just popped through here. Where did he go, shouts Talane in a panic. Promise to show me how to use a dragon stuff and I'll tell you. Mordana says, that's... I don't think anybody can trust anybody else in this book. No, apparently. this is a nasty. This is just crazy. Mm. All right, all right, Sally exclaims. Just tell me. He went through that trap door over there. 
Good, Tarling exclaims. We'll head him off easily. Quick, into the elevator. What? Into the what? asks Mordana. Never mind, just get in, Tarlene says, pushing her into a small room with a circled arrow over the door, just like the one you saw down below. The door closes and the arrow starts to move. Suddenly, Zarkon is back up through the trap door. They fell for it, he cries. Come on out. Then he points his staff at the moving arrow. An explosion blasts away past the wall above the door. That should hold them a while, he says. They're trapped in the shaft. Huh. Now that we've got the dragon staff, what should we do, you ask? Find the stairs to Tarlene's tower, Zarkon replies. If we reach the top, I can try to call the eagles to rescue us. Eagles, exclaims Vergana. You must be joking. I think we should search for an exit down here. She turns to you and asks, what do you think? All right, so we can either look for an exit in the room with uh, all the other junk, Uh or we can find the tower stairs and get to the top and try out the dragon staff. Just try out the dragon staff. Yeah, chances like this don't come along that often. No, man, life is up there. That's That's what living is. Yeah. Let's try the tower, you say. The door to it must be down this way. It is. Vergana shakes her head in disbelief as the three of you start up the tower stairs. We must find a way to destroy the dragon staff, Zarkon stares. Can't we just smash it or throw it off the top of the tower, you ask? I don't think so, he answers. It might just release the dragons and cause devastation in a new, uncontrolled way. <laughs> Excellent exposition there, by the way. <laughs> this book's been top-notch for that. Soon you reach the top of the tower. You close the door to the platform and lock it from the outside. No wonder Thailand can direct his dragons from up here, Zarkon says. We can see half a dozen kingdoms down there. The dragon staff in your hand begins to beep. There's a row of small bumps along one side of the staff. They push in when you press on them and pop out again when you release the pressure. Oh, wow. Far on the horizon, a row of black spots bobs in the sky. I didn't understand this, you say to Zarkon. When I press the top bumps on the staff, the black dots disappear. When I press the bottom bumps, the dots come back. Those black dots must be dragons many leagues away, Zarkon says. You're doing something with them or to them. This bodes ill, I fear. I must try to contact the eagles before it is too late. What is going on? I'm pressing buttons and the dragons are like... I'm controlling... Oh, what if the dragons are remote controlled? Uh, Yeah, I'm thinking that they're just... Robot dragons? Robot dragons that can also breathe fire, yeah. But before Zarkon can do anything, you notice that the dots have grown into definite shapes and are getting larger by the second. The dragons are heading back to the tower. Frantically, you press all the small bumps on the staff, but it doesn't turn the formation of dragons back. Soon there are immense shapes blocking up the sun and hurtling straight at you. The three of you duck as several enormous dragons roll by the tower, narrowly missing it. The blast of wind almost blows you off the top. A number of other dragons are circling around in confusion about a half mile away. Their claws flash in the sunlight, and blasts of flame and smoke shoot out from their huge gaping mouths. One of them swoops close to the top of the tower, trying to see who now carries the dragon stuff. For a moment, you look into two terrible eyes. I hope they don't blast any flame in our direction, says Vergana. It would roast us alive. Yeah. As long as we have the dragon stuff, I think we are safe, says Zarkon. But then, to make matters worse, the door to the tower begins to shake. Your ears ring with the sounds of sledgeham- the sounds of a sledgehammer being applied to the inside of the door. I fear that Mordana and Tarlane have already escaped our little trap, says Zarkon. What can we do, you ask? Quick, says Zarkon. Hand me the dragon stuff. Like, this is just completely taking control away from us now. Mm. I guess. I have a feeling this is not going to turn out well. Oh, there's one more choice, I guess. Okay. Oh, good. The doors of the tower is beginning to buckle at the hinges. Zarkon waves the dragon staff in the air with one hand and his own staff with the other. Suddenly, the ugly spined head of one of the dragons appears next to the top of the tower. The dragon's broad wings flap furiously in the air to keep it suspended there. I'll jump onto the dragon's head first, says Zarkon. You two follow as quickly as you can. The tower door is just about to give. Zarkon, then Vergana, jump onto the dragon's head and cling desperately to its horns. But now that it's your turn, 
The dragon's head has drifted out several feet. You don't know if you can make the jump. So you can either try to jump to the dragon's head, or wait and take our chances with Mordana and Tarlane. Uh, jump on the dragon's head. Yeah, because I do not trust these two jokers one bit. No, it's just like, give me the... I want to I wanna touch the staff. You gotta let me touch it. Yeah, we jump over and see the back from the wizard. It's a, but I, you know, I, I went through the trouble of grabbing it. Yeah. I know. You step as far back on the platform as you can, take a short run, and leap out into space. You don't quite make it. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> as, <laughs> as you plummet downward, the dragon, with Zarkon and Verganus on the board, swoops down and catches you in its mouth. With just enough pressure, the dragon's ghastly teeth hold you without hurting you. You're transported gently down to the ground and released. At the same time, Zarkon and Vergana slide down the side of the dragon's head to safety. Then the dragon rolls off. Zarkon hands the dragon's staff back to you. It's not wise for me as a good wizard to hold the staff too long, he says. Controlling dragons is one of the evil arts. You, however, can do it for a short time and come away unscathed. Yeah. Somehow, I yeah. guess. You wave the dragon's staff in the air. The dragons move like gigantic kites in the sky, as if they were controlled by strings attached to the staff. High above, looking over the top edge of the tower, are the tiny faces of Tarlane and Mordana. Then you hear them scream as one of the dragons crashes headlong into the tower and sends it crashing to the ground. That's ridiculous. You run to search the rubble for Tarlane and Mordana, but they are nowhere to be found. Over here, Vergana shouts. It looks as if one of the tower blocks has caved in the entrance to the Tarlane's quarters. Sure enough, in front of you is a large hole in the ground and a ladder leading down. Slowly, the three of you descend. Inside you find Tarlene's treasure rooms, filled with sacks of jewels and gold coins that were taken as ransom from the dragon-threatened kingdoms. There's enough treasure here to last us forever, shouts Vergana. Later, with Sarkon's help, you find the combination of bumps to the dragon staff that sends the dragons back to their den and makes them sleep. Then you seal the dragon staff in a deep vault and hope that dragons will stay sleeping under the mountain forever. The end. Huh. That's actually a pretty good ending. Oh, that's a good ending. I'm very happy. Although, we seal the dragon staff away instead of using it for our own nefarious ends and getting all the money in the world forever. So, could have been better. I mean, you could sell it, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. You could sell it. You could, I mean, Sarkon's still around, so he'll probably go back to the king. I sell the dragon staff to the king. Mm. And I get some of that sweet treasure, and I'm done, man. I, I'm going to let out. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to track down like an ending where we get shot, basically. <laughs> Oh yeah, keep forgetting about this guy. All right. If you sold, how much? You know, I wonder what the interest rates the way they are now. I wonder how much I would need to just live off the interest of of all that treasure. You mean? Know? Yeah, just like buy a house in like Corfu or something like that. <laughs> yeah, probably wouldn't be that bad. Honestly, like quite a comfortable life. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty, I, I feel like, I mean, I definitely got to figure out what's going on with this gun guy, but. Yeah. Okay, so, um, I have no idea. It was in Tarlene's quarters. I don't know how we, I'm not particularly sure how we get to here, but I'm going to read it just from this one page. Okay. You slide open the top of the case and reach for the sword. The handle fits perfectly in your hand. As you lift the sword out of the case, a strange force seems to run up through your arm. You slash the blade through the air to get the feel of it, and the sword leaves a glow in the air where it passed. You're about to try it again when you hear voices coming. You look behind a heavy, elaborately carved standing screen. I think this is just us. We don't have um, uh, the two other people along with us. So Yeah. That's all right. 
Through a crack on the screen, you see a man and a woman come into the room. But Tarlane, the woman says, you said you'd show me how you control the dragons in exchange for some of my secrets. Remember, with my occult powers and your dragons, we could control the world. These two are definitely fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Mordana, Tarlane says. But now I'm preparing an important mission. On top of that, some of the dragons are acting up. Why? I'm not sure. Well, dragons will be dragons, I always say, says Mordana. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Oh my god, I feel like I would write that line and then scribble it out and say, no, that's too silly. I'm going to get that tattooed. <laughs> it was incredible. Talene ushers her to the door. She goes out and he closes it behind her. Then he spins on his heels and takes a small metal object from his jacket. He walks over and stands in front of the screen you were hiding behind. The metal object in his hand is pointed at you. All right, whoever you are, come out from behind that screen, he orders. Using all your might, you shove the heavy screen toward Tarlane. He leaps aside, but the top of the falling screen catches his foot, and he tumbles to the floor. He tries to point the metal object in your direction again, but a slash from the sword knocks the weapon from his hand. It sails across the floor and under a chair. Quickly, Tarlane is on his feet. Seemingly from nowhere, he grabs a long metal staff and swings it at you. That's his mistake. You catch the staff with a sword and cut it in two. A surge of the sword's own force shoots back through the blade and into your body. You're momentarily frozen to the spot. Tarlane is not so lucky. The part of the staff he still holds explodes in his hands, locking him back into another room. With bloody hands, Tarlane crawls toward a cabinet in the corner. You assume he wants to get some new weapon. Free now of the paralysing force, you run to stop him. You grab him just as he is crawling into the cabinet. With a strength you didn't suspect he had, Tarlane pulls you inside with him. The doors of the cabinet slam shut. (laughs) A flash like a bolt of lightning stuns you. Everything spins around faster and faster. Then as suddenly as it began, it stops. Alright, this, I think, is where we should call it after this one. Alright. The cabinet doors open again. Outside is a room much like the one inside Dragon Mountain, but much larger. A group of men, all dressed like Tarlane, stand there. Tarlane jumps to his feet. Where are the dragon eggs you promised us? One of the men asks Tarlane in a threatening tone. Time is running out. The enemy planes must feel the talons of the dragons. I couldn't bring them back this time, Tarlane says. This intruder set back my plans. Then you will pay, says the man, pointing at you. <laughs> All of the men take out strange weapons like the one Talane had tried to use against you. They point them at you, as if on signal, they all fire at the same time. The end. Jesus. Um, this is incredible. I just think it's crazy that they're just like, the guy is like scrambling to get away from you, and you're, rather than like kicking you out of the box, the time travel machine, drags he you inside you with, with him. him. Yeah. I guess he's probably... Because he knows he's going to be in trouble because he didn't bring the dragons back. He wants proof of uh, yeah, why he's such, in, such an incompetent... I think... He needs a ringer. Yeah. I think that Tarlane might be a Nazi. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean... He looks like he's got a German pistol. Uh, it's a Luger? Ruger? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's wearing a black leather jacket. He's wearing long boots. He's bald and he's got a monocle and a cigarette holder. Oh, yeah. And he looks very... I think we just got shot by Nazis at the end of this book. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, that's, uh, that's upset, <laughs> you know? But if that's the way the kids what, got to learn about, you know... Yeah. Our world, so, our, our, our global society's greatest uh, cataclysm, and that's how they get to know about it. I guess so, yeah. That certainly was a book. Good grief. Uh... Yeah, you should. You should uh, uh, just. I. I. I'm gonna go ahead and plug that Gene Wolfe book again. 
the uh, okay. the chef, the uh, shadow of the torture. It, it in the states we get we they sell them in uh, the there was four books, and they sell them uh, in compendiums of two each. So the first compendium is called uh, Shadow and Claw, and it oh, okay. kind of deals with some of the similar uh, th- aspects of this in an interesting way. That sounds pretty cool. I'll see if it's I'll see if I can get it on Kindle or something. Yeah. Um, gee, what I mean, it's just like. Just, yeah, I can see that now. That looks pretty good, actually. Yeah. All right, cool. These guys are just uh, un un. They're... So now we know who ta- was was Mordana, or was she also a Nazi? You think? I think Mordana um, existed in that time. Like she's wearing very much period appropriate clothes. She's got a belt with skulls on, a oh, funny hat. Whereas Tarlane was just. <laughs> Going all in with his black leather jacket and gun, so... Uh, maybe that's where the, the SS got their skulls from. Her, her, uh, <laughs> you might be onto them. something there, yeah. yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to plug the, um, something quickly, then we'll carry on with the rest of the podcast. Sure. Okay, so if you imp- enjoyed this episode, then thank you very much. If you'd like to uh, contribute to help me running it with putting money towards new books, uh, organizing live shows, and, uh, well, getting nicer recording equipment and generally making the podcast easier for you to consume, then you can just go to patreon.com forward slash adventurepod and pledge as little as $1 an episode, possibly even less than that if you set a cap of $1 per month, or as really as much as you want per episode as well. But don't bit put too much because then I might faint. Um <laughs> Yeah, if you do appreciate what I'm doing here and want to give something back, then that's a really easy way to do it. There is going to be a live show coming up soon. Um, I'm still figuring out the logistics of that, but it's going to be sometime in late April. Um, tickets will be going up soon. All right, that was my plug. Thank you. Um, quick, quickly, book report time. What did you think of that? Mark's out of five. Out of five? I would say four yeah. out of five. Yeah. I, just, I, it's, it's, there's too much. Sorry. There was too much stuff happening that, you know, you just... The, just knowing that there, once I got to the point where I that I could feel the end coming on, and I knew in the back of my head that this was a world that was more complicated than just the linear path that I may have been on, like with the fire and the gorilla. Yeah. Then uh, there was, and there's like the vampire bats, and wasn't there another wizard? Um, there was Zarkon. We said he was probably friends with Zagor from uh, Firetop Mountain. Oh but... yeah. Um, and then there's the and Prince there Rupert scene. Prince Rupert getting really ill all the time. There was fucking Bucket just yeah. wasting everybody's time. <laughs> I, I I yeah feel like uh, yeah I feel like this was if I I because I, I, I read a lot of these when I was a little kid and I would go because they had them all at the public library and I'd walk there and I would read I remember they some of them would just be so depressing, especially yeah. the ones that took place on like speedboats. <laughs> I feel like there was like a bunch where you like died because like you got on a speedboat and like somebody came out of the cabin and like clobbered you. Hmm. Yeah. Um, normally we do a um, death parade sort of where we go through and like try and find all the hmm. uh, grisly deaths, but I think we found quite a lot of them ourselves in oh, that yeah, uh, playthrough as well. But yeah, that was pretty fun. Um, a lot of the endings were quite abrupt, and I wasn't expecting uh, us to get killed quite so. Quick, or just for it to end quite so quickly. Yeah. But on the other hand, 
uh, we got to drop a, a tower on an SS officer. So you know what? Five out of five. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I might. Yeah, I'll go five out of five too. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? Um, yeah. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, by the way, apart from obviously the footage uh, of a bear. Uh, is, for sure, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I didn't know how much that played outside of the states, so it's good to know that you know you knew about it. And yeah, I mean, um, I kind of like started paying much more attention to um the video stuff that Adults was putting out after Too Many Cooks, yeah. uh, because that's breathtaking. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was uh, I saw unedited footage of a bear, thought it was really cool, um. And then I actually noticed that your name was attached to it as well uh, in the end credits, and I thought, well, why not? Because uh, I've actually been a big fan of your work for a long time. Like oh. I remember seeing um, Blue Leader and Glad of Id and stuff. Oh, cool. how, do you feel, how do you feel about work like that? By the way, like, is it kind of um, embarrassing to look back at now, or are you still quite proud of? Oh, yeah, how it's how definitely it embarrassing, but it's still. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's very like I, you know, I, one of my greatest um, just. Not disappointments, but something I do regret was not taking Blue Leader uh, further. I mean, I just kind of stopped doing it because I wasn't doing anything new with it. So, you know, it's like when you when the Blue Leader Lander, Landed Id video came out, that's all it was. And Blue Leader was just basically this weird performance character that um, answered questions about video games. But then it right. sort of evolved into this thing where it was like, you know, I was giving these very crazy, elaborate speeches in front of like booming video uh, montages with like death metal tracks attached to them, and it was yeah. I, I remember seeing the one that you did for um, Fatalities. I think the history of first-person shooters as well. I really wish I could have seen one of those, but um, yeah, like you're in you're in Baltimore. I was in the UK, so yeah. Well, that's uh, exciting. Um, I'm glad that some you know it, it people found out about it. <laughs> yeah, and um. There was that one video as well that you did where you tell the joke about Batman, Superman, and the Punisher. Oh, yeah. The one that goes on for about... Six minutes. Six minutes, and it goes on for about five minutes, 50 seconds too long, and that's perfect. No, that was that's uh, one of my greatest accomplishments. Yeah. Was that joke. Um, I guess, you know, it the the story that I told about the, uh, the Navy, um, one of the thing the first things that i one of the first things that i did when i got home was uh went on tour with uh with ben and alan and uh and uh i wrote a, a comedy piece for that tour that got turned into a short video for adult swim uh called commencement speech oh yeah and that's like you know that sort of me channeling out all of that frustration and anger that of getting caught up in this kind of crazy government uh, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Just getting caught up in something completely outside of my control. Yeah, it did kind of feel that way. Like that was very passionate. Probably not in the way that people like, but you, it was definitely very. Um... Yeah, it's kind of hard to say. Like you, it does seem very angry. Yeah. Well, there's a I, you know there's a lot of anger. Yeah. Didn't also help that I was reading a lot of stuff by. I was no, not saying that I sympathize with these people, but I was reading a lot of history about um, uh, the uh, revolution in Iran and the the 
the uh, revolution in Rhodesia that when it became Zimbabwe, just like thinking a lot about how these sort of characters, these like dictators and villains sort of grow out of these struggles with the, you know, with the status quo and how language, the, the language that they use to kind of get people on their side and build up that kind of evil magic that turns them into the, uh, the characters that we have now today. Yeah. Um, if that wasn't already obvious. <laughs> <laughs> there was quite, quite a few themes running through that. Yeah, I think, so, yeah. definitely. It was, uh, um, you know, I was in Canada doing a show and a guy came up to me and, and basically listed like every single, um, every single like historical figure that I had sort of pulled from, from like Pol Pot to Khomeini to, uh, Mugabe to Mary Shelley because there's some Frankenstein stuff in, in the original piece. I don't know. I can't remember if that made it into the Adult Swim video, but uh, yeah, that was exciting. It's exciting yeah. because you know, you, you, a lot of this stuff came out of my early experiments with the internet, and it's great to know that people found out about it. You know, mm. beyond just my community here. On the- well, I mean. Yeah, I remember seeing um, a lot of the, uh, like, do the math comics and everything. Um, I think it must have been around 2007, 2008. And I kind of thought it um, just dropped off the internet after that. Yeah. Um, because I hadn't really heard anything else from you since. And then I found that actually you were still creating uh, more things. It was just moving away from being specifically about video games and now being much more broader. Yeah, which is fine. No, uh, that's that's basically what happened. I mean, mm. the, I think the problem with stuff like Blue Leader and Do the Math Comics is that the commitment to the character or the commitment to the to the idea was so intense that I felt like I couldn't do anything else. So when I started transitioning yeah. out of those things, I was like, oh, I can just make videos about myself now and not worry about you know, <laughs> putting video game jokes into everything. Yeah. All right, I think we, I should probably end the show at some point. Right, right. um, yeah, thank you very much uh, for coming on the show, Robbie. No um, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, <laughs> uh, probably the best, easiest place to find me is on Twitter right now because uh, okay. I've gotten I've I deleted my website uh, because we're I'm moving. We're sort of consolidating uh, the Wham City Comedy Group a little bit, so we're. We're still in the process of organizing that, but Twitter is 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 where uh, I'm probably the most active right now. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's. I think. Yeah. <laughs> that's everything, isn't it? Yeah. Um, thank you very much for coming on the show, Robbie. No nope. having you. No pleasure to meet you as well. And thank you to everybody at home for listening. Goodbye. Bye.